the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I stay at home. Shelter in place. Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves Stay away from church I avoid old folks And should I sneeze I do it in my elbow Or up my sleeve Six Apart. That is the room, and I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Two more weeks of quarantine Will be the death of me I risk a trip To the grocery store To buy a TV things more But when I get there All I can find Is 16 honey buns And some mad dog wine I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've 
Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we, we uh, from time to time, get a chance to check in with uh, the editor-in-chief of uh, America's favorite bathroom read, Uncle John's Bathroom Readers, Gordon Javna. He joins me by phone. Gordon, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Um, Gordon, the newest uh, book is, is what now, the 33rd? edition of uh yes our 33rd annual edition of uncle john's bathroom it's called uncle john's greatest no on earth and i see what you did there (laughs) (laughs) well you know it's 33rd so we did a three ring circus uh, kind of uh, thing and uh the cover is is very circusy looking so yeah the covers the covers fun but one of the things that i that i want to make sure and ask you about because it just uh it, it, for some reason, was new to me. The Turner Prize. The Turner Prize is a um, is a very prestigious prize for visual arts in England. And but what we wrote about was the Turnip Prize, and that's spelled T U R N I P, as in the vegetable, because some guys sitting around a uh, a pub decided that the Turner Prize, which was in the news at the time, was um, a little too highfalutin for them. And uh, I don't know what the British term for highfalutin is, but uh, they they thought it was a little too sn- snobby. So they came up with their own version, which they called the Turnip Prize. And they award it for uh, what they call the best crap art and um, <laughs> and it's literally a turnip nailed to a piece of wood. Yeah, yeah, it's a, exactly. And they, you know, they give it for really bad art. So people, you know, and it's not just bad art. It's like goofily bad. You know, it's it's like it's not art that people make, and and it's judged to be bad. It's they they try to come up with clever and bad at the same time. Such as, and also, you know. I think the less time they spend on it, the more the more it's appreciated. Like, there's one that's called Pulled Pork. If that was a winner in 2017. It's a toy plastic tractor pulling a plastic toy pig. And oh, the God. name of the artist, is he, the artist is 13 years old. He uses a pseudonym, Chris P. Bacon. <laughs> so what a great idea. name. <laughs> you get the idea? Yeah, what a great and name. One guy's, uh, the, the 2019 winner was called A Complete Waste of Time. And the uh, artist uses the pseudonym Canna Be Bothered. 
Uh, and um, it is basically uh, a jar of thyme, of the herb thyme, spilled onto a sheet of paper. Ta-da! That's the whole oh, thing. Oh, God. So, uh, that, yeah. These names remind me a little bit of uh, the character from Perry Mason, Hamilton Burger, or Ham Burger. Uh, Ham Burger, yes. <laughs> Did you see the uh, the HBO reboot of... Uh, of Perry Mason, I happen to be a Perry Mason fan. And I, I was. I am as well, and I have not seen the reboot, and I I would like to. Uh, I just don't happen to have HBO. It's it, it well the the for me the highlight was in the last scene, um, Mason is um, badgering the witness on the stand, and Hamilton Berger stands up in the court and says, "Forget it, Mason. You'll never get him to confess on the stand," uh, which is funny because in the tv series that's what happened every week is the uh, guilty person confessed on the witness stand so oh that is funny um so the new book um some of the weirdest factoids uh, uh included in uh, uncle john's greatest no on earth bathroom reader um what are what are some of the especially weird factoids that uh, that you can recall gordon well, we, we have a section on Silly World Records, which we sort of uh, took the, some of the craziest ones we found on, uh, on the, the Guinness site, and, and not only tell the uh, what they are, but we told, told some of the tell some of the backstory for for them. But among them, the weirdest ones are the longest eyelashes. Can you believe there's somebody who has uh, that holds a record for the longest eyelashes, and you wouldn't believe how long they are? They're almost five inches long. Wow. Um, it's a, a Chinese woman named Yu Shenshu, Shi, excuse me. Uh, you can actually see her online if you if you uh, if you Google her. But uh, that can you imagine the for and there's the tallest mohawk, which is um, three feet when it's, when it's hair sprayed up. It's three feet tall. Guy's been growing it for fifteen years. Um, those are some weird facts. There's there's a great lucky find. We we I I don't know why. I just love these stories about people that find things that they didn't know they had, or um, they rescue things from from the garbage. And um, there's a great story about a guy who is was asked by his mom. And this is in 2019. His mom asked him to come over and clean out the attic, which is something that lots of moms do. And while he was cleaning out the attic, he found a shopping bag from J.C. Penney, and inside the bag was a video game that was unopened from 1988. You had the receipt in the in the bag. Clearly, somebody left, uh, forgot to wrap his his Christmas present, and it just sat there for 30 years. And um, the receipt said that they whoever bought it paid $38.45 for it. It was called Kid Icarus, and. He did a little research and found out that there are very few of them available. There was only about 10 known uh, to exist, and he was able to sell it for $9,000. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, I don't know. We have lots of stories like that. There's a great story in the uh, in the book about a, a, a guy who was uh, a listener for the U.S. Navy. He was stationed in uh, Bermuda, and he had what's called a hydrophone, 
which is an underwater microphone. And his job was to listen for possible enemy submarines or uh, some ship activity that, that was not, uh, that they couldn't be detected by sure. eye. So while he was listening for human noises, he happened to hear a uh, some noises that he couldn't identify. There were clicks and howls and things like that, and he didn't know what they were, but he made a tape of them. He couldn't really talk about it to anybody because he was on a classified mission, but he he, he had a tape recorder, and he taped these things, and he just put together a, a, a reel of just these sounds, and he brought them to some fishermen. Again, this is in Bermuda, and the fishermen immediately said, oh, those are whales. Apparently, Sailors had known about these sounds for uh, centuries, but they were thought to be the ghosts of dead sailors. Uh, but these guys knew that they were whales. And up to that time, people didn't know. I mean, it was common knowledge that whales made uh, noise. Um, so um, he kept this, still kept this to himself for the next 10 or so years. And in, in 1967, he was talking to another scientist who was doing research on on whales, and he said, well, you know, they sing, right? The guy had never heard this. He's doing research on it. He'd never heard that whales sing. So this fellow played them the tape, and um, he listened to it over and over and over again. Soon he heard patterns. And he said, wow, this is, they're really communicating. Um, And so uh, he was concerned because whales, and I guess this is why he was doing his research, whales were being hunted to extinction. Right. And he saw this as an opportunity to uh, raise awareness of uh, the whale's predicament. So he had these uh, these sounds transferred to disc and he, as, a, as a record album. And they actually sold 100,000, which is still the record for a, um, for a nature uh, sound record. But that's not the big... Uh, that's not the big bang here. The the big story is that National Geographic picked it up and included a, what they called a flexi disc, which is a, a oh, yeah. paper, uh, uh, yeah, paper plastic coated paper uh, flexible recording, and they included it in all 10 million copies of of the National Geographic uh, International. In other words, it went to all other countries, obviously. It could be, you know, it, it transcends language. So uh, 10, 10 and a half million, that's the largest single pr- uh, pressing of any recorded music. And the good news is it actually did raise awareness. Several organizations shifted uh, their focus to preserving the whales. And whales, which were down, those, humpbacks in particular, were down to like 7,000 worldwide. They, they raised uh, consciousness, and today there are over 80,000 humpbacks. Well, I knew whales cool had songs, but I didn't know they had any hits. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's terrific. They had great. They actually have a hit record. Oh, that's funny. There you go. <laughs> that's terrific. Yeah. More with the editor-in-chief of the Uncle John's Bathroom Readers, Gordon Javna, straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodin flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Sumner Program.com 
this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with the editor-in-chief of the Uncle John's Bathroom Readers, Gordon Javna, straight ahead. Um, these these things are fun to put together. Um, how has the staff been able to function and continue to work through this uh, pandemic? Um, one of well, we're all freelance now. Uh, we used to all come together in an office, but a couple of years ago we went all freelance. And one of my longtime associates, a writer, said to me. Well, all my years of being a hermit have finally paid off because he can he can work at home. He's always worked at home, but he can now work at home. And, yeah. uh, Went from hermit and, to hero. Yeah, seamlessly. There you go. There you go. So, you know, um, in fact, it gives us something to do at home while we're, while we're staying at home. So it's kind of good. Well, I don't know if I told you this the last time you were on, but I had closed down my studio and moved it home at the end of January, expecting to be kind huh. of, you know, groundbreaking and unusual. And two months later, everybody huh. was working from home. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And well, so I uh, wasn't all uh, that different after all. There, um, Yeah, go ahead, Gordon. I was going to say, a lot of uh, uh, broadcasters have have moved home or were in the process. I just read that uh, Sean Hannity's studio is in his home, and uh, it doesn't look like it. You look on TV, it looks like he's in some fancy studio, but it's really at home. And uh, um, I was watching the CBS Morning News, and the guy uh, was working from his basement. They had took a, a shot. It looks like he's on a set, in a set, but really he's just... Yeah, they set up a green screen, and they can they can superimpose almost anything behind you if you have a decent uh, yep. decent camera and decent audio. There's a section on uh, that I just I was thumbing through the book, and I just happened to land on one that said unusual lawsuits, um, or let's see, what is the exact uh, what is the exact heading there? Uh, strange lawsuits. And I, I, that seems kind of topical. <laughs> well, it does. It does today. Let's see. Um, give me a second. Well, I just uh, pull one up. Um, ah. Well, I'll just read this. I'll read the first one because it's kind of. Kind of fun. Um, so in 2011, DeToya Moody of Decatur, Georgia, drove to the Publix grocery store and parked a car on the road behind a utility truck. When she got out of the car, uh, a bright orange ladder was extended above the sidewalk to a bank sign where somebody was changing the letters. What happened next was all captured on video surveillance footage. Uh, she walked underneath the ladder toward the store, then stopped and turned around to go back to her car, passing under the ladder a second time. Then she walked to an ATM, passing under the ladder a third time. While she was using the ATM, the worker lowered the ladder, which was now spread across the sidewalk. Following safety procedures, the worker put cones on either side of the ladder, and this time Moody went back to her car. She was texting on her phone, and as a result, she walked right into the ladder and fell into the concrete. She was later diagnosed with post-traumatic headaches and a mild concussion. She hired a personal lawyer, a personal injury lawyer, excuse me, to, uh, to file a lawsuit 
contractor agreed to settle the case for $5,000, but, but uh, the lawyer wanted $75,000, which the contractor declined to accept, so they went to court. Now she's seeking damages for $175,000. So <laughs> despite the photo and phone record evidence, jury found that Moody was only 8% liable for her injuries and awarded her. In other words, she was uh, distracted while walking, but they found her only 8% liable for her injuries and gave her $160,000. So... Wouldn't you love uh, to be in the room when they were doing the when they were doing the math on that? How, how do you I, determine I, someone's eight percent at fault? Yeah, well, you know, I think they have form. I actually, do think they have formulas for that, but uh, they have to pick a number somewhere. And they said she was only what? But I think just from what I from what we read in the lawsuit, I think she was more more responsible than that. But because. There's a certain common sense element to that. That, uh, but anyway, well, you're not supposed to walk under ladders to begin with. That's true. <laughs> you're asking for trouble as soon as you, she walked under it twice. Yeah, I'd uh, yeah, I'd say she was uh, more than eight percent responsible. She jinxed herself. Right, <laughs> but apparently you, you they, and I should have been on the jury. Um. <laughs> oh, if you and I were ever on a jury, John, it, that would be uh, some weird law that came out. I, of it. I have been on. Have you ever served on a jury? I I was called, but never served. I um, years and years ago, I had some. I was between projects, and I got called for grand jury duty. This was when I lived in New Jersey. And I, you know, I probably could have gotten out of it, but I said, okay, I'll be a citizen and uh, and sit on the grand jury. And that was quite an experience. My conclusion, I had two conclusions from that experience, and it was it was one day a week for for I think it was twelve weeks, and to go that's a lot of service, but but it wasn't usually a full day or anything. But anyway, from that I learned two things. One is that the prosecutors can really get the grand juries to indict anybody, you know, the way they present the the evidence. And the other thing I learned is that police work is, <clears throat> it's tough to prove a case. And uh, they, they often depend on the perpetrators being stupid or doing something dumb, like the guy who, one case we heard was a guy who uh, drove through a toll booth without paying, drove through at 60 miles an hour, and he had um, a load of illegal drugs in his trunk. <laughs> so it was... Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's something Americans can be really proud of. We have some really dumb criminals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes we've, we love those, those guys. They're great to read about and make us feel better. That oh, dumb, dumb crimes are... are are great fodder for these kinds of stories. There was a story circulating around here once that a, a reporter for um, uh, in Lansing, the, the state capital, um, was walking down the sidewalk. It was a national holiday. I don't remember which one. But he saw some guys with uh, ski masks and guns drawn run up to a bank, and the doors were locked. 
because the bank was closed because of the holidays, saw him get back in the car and drive off. And they were their their big bank robbery was completely foiled by a national holiday. And those those stories are fun, and that's one of the things that I that I love about these uh, these books. Um, Gordon is well, here, here's one that here's one that took place in 2018. Uh, a, a fellow named Kerry Hammond was captured on a on a surveillance camera walking around a games GameStop store in a in a uh, mall in Georgia. Uh, later that night, a masked burglar was was captured on that same surveillance camera, uh, and it had the same build as Hammond and the same tattoo on his right arm, and he was wearing the same blue pants, a blue shirt and khaki pants. And if that evidence hadn't been enough to tie him. Uh, they didn't need it because Hammond's mask consisted of the plastic wrapper from a case of bottled water. So he thought that would that would conceal his face. It not would, thinking it was completely transparent. Plastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that's funny. It's a little bit like Superman in the glasses thing. <laughs> Right. How, how did that right. fool people what? for decades? Did it fool you? <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you determine, Gordon, um, what stuff is is going to make the book and what different departments there are going to be? Is it just constant culling and collecting things in groups? Yeah, well, we have, you know, um, we like to have some ca- certain categories, you know, that we we like to have things about music and television, and even if I, even if we didn't like it, it's, it's, you know, we're we're all pop culture junkies, so that that would be uh, normal. In fact, it, I, I think television is sort of taking over our lives with the pandemic. But uh, I haven't, I can't think of a, a conversation I've had with an old friend where it didn't include what are you watching. But um, we we have certain categories like that. But we like to have some history. I like to have uh, origins of things because those are always fun. I always want to know what are the origins of things. So we we look for that, and somehow sometimes we just uh, end up with a lot of stories about a t- certain topic, and uh, that becomes a new category for us. But everything has to pass what I call the hmm test, <laughs> and that is when I read it, I have to go hmm, and. Uh, if it doesn't make me go, hmm, I wonder what, hmm, that's interesting. If I don't do that, then I know that my readers aren't going to like it. And if it does make me do that, then I know they will. Um, do you ever worry about, I don't know, running out of stuff to collect? Or do Americans uh, just keep doing weird and silly things? Um, I always worry about it. I didn't used to, you know, but now... <laughs> I, I mean, know. you're 33 I, I, books I, I, into this now, Gordon. Yeah. 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 Um, and I do uh, sometimes think we're going to run out of stuff, but then we just keep finding more. I mean, uh, I mentioned the the, uh, the the whale story. Now, that, was, that took place uh, 70 years ago or 60 years ago, and it's still... We never... We never covered it before so there's you know we can still go back in history and find things and then there's always new stuff you know things that weren't popular last year that are popular this year um and a lot of times we end up right at the beginning or i can't tell you how many times somebody 
has said to me, hey, did you hear about such and such? I said, yeah, we published a story about that five years ago or something like that. Uh, but th- here's another one that's in the book that I, I really uh, enjoyed uh, finding out about, and that is it's a, um, a food scientist named William Mitchell. He worked for General Foods in the 1950s. And um, about that time, General Foods acquired the Kool-Aid brand. And so they gave uh, Mitchell the job of finding a way to make carbonated Kool-Aid because they thought it would be a good uh, competitor for uh, soda. And uh, he actually did find two ways to make carbonated Kool-Aid. The first way was through carbonated ice cubes. You pop one of those carbonated ice cubes into a glass of of Kool-Aid and turned it into soda. And that was very effective, except that it needed to be refrigerated at 14 degrees Fahrenheit. And most freezer sections of supermarkets, they, they were cold enough, but then the, the uh, managers tended to turn them up at night. So they were just below freezing, which is enough to keep frozen food frozen, but not enough to keep these ice cubes frozen and they were melting everywhere. So that was tossed out. And then he came up with the idea of carbonated sugar, So he added the carbonated sugar to the the flavoring, and uh, it would make a carbonated beverage, but it wasn't carbonated enough to to compare to soda. So they had to abandon that idea, but they did, or he did, find another use for uh, this carbonated sugar, and that is Pop Rocks. Ah. Remember those? Yes, I do. The candy? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's how it came about. Even then, though, uh, the, the executives at General Foods didn't think it was a very good idea. They just shelved it. And 20 years later, uh, the, uh, the Canadian arm of the, of the company, the head of that, uh, tasted it and thought it would be a fantastic candy, and he built a factory to produce it, or part of a factory to produce it. And, but his idea wasn't to sell it as candy. It was to give it away as a promotion for potato chips. And... Uh, they found kids following the potato chip vans to get the Pop Rocks, and they decided they they had something. But then again, General Foods thought, oh, it's going to be a big seller, and it'll be a whole line of candy. And uh, they thought it would be, you know, they would have carbonated chewing gum, carbonated chocolate, and so on, but that's not uh, what happened. Um, Two things happened. One is that the novelty wore off, because how many... You know, it's not something you're going to have forever. You once you 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 sampled it, and you can have your fill. But the other thing that happened was uh, urban legends about kids who had a few bags of of um, pop rocks and washed it down with a bottle of soda and exploded, and then they exploded <laughs> inside the people. <laughs> I, I remember those true. stories. But somehow, yeah, some somehow it got transferred to the kid who was in the life cereal commercials, Mikey. Yeah, uh, he likes it. Mikey likes it. Well, right. it, somehow it got transferred to him, and the the rumor was that he had died in this in this uh, with from Pop Rocks, and they could not get past that. They sold a lot of Pop Rocks, but they couldn't sustain it because uh, because of these these rumors. They were actually going to have the guy who played the uh, the kid as a, he was much older, and they were going to have him. Um, do a testimonial 
in in a commercial that he was fine from from it but they were still quaker was still running the the uh, life serial ads and they said if he went on as an adult it was going to ruin his credibility and they were going to pull the ads and they were making too much money the family was making too much money from the commercial so he he pulled out of the of that deal okay so pop rocks didn't do well they've sold it to a spanish company uh which continues to make it and there are lots of competitors but it's not the big candy brand that they thought it would be but mitchell the guy who invented it continued as a food scientist and developed a few other things that are of interest one is he invented tang the beverage oh, that yeah. they took to the moon he invented that he he also invented cool whip and he invented we like the flops. We like things that didn't work. One of the things that didn't work was a powdered alcohol. He he came up <laughs> with a formula to um, make powdered alcohol, and it worked. It was uh, clear uh, and uh, had basically it was basically like, like vodka, powdered vodka. Uh, it worked, but they couldn't sell it because states made it illegal to sell. They were, uh, they were afraid, people were afraid that, that, that uh, somebody was going to start snorting it or something like that, and right, they made right. it illegal in, in all 50 states. It's still legal in some countries in uh, Europe, but not in the United States. So that's one of his flops. But another of his successes was rice milk. He and his daughter, who is also a food scientist, um, came up with a way to turn rice into milk. And from that, and, and Mitchell himself has passed away, but his daughter continues, and she invented the processes by which they make oat milk and soy milk and many other similar products. So, Wow. It's fascinating that when you think of the people involved in these things. You bring out one of these books every year, but you have some other projects going on at the same time. Right. This is my only book project. Uh, well, I, I uh, like a couple of years ago, uh, well, my brother and I came out with things, a book called. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my brother and I came out with a book called um, "Life Is a Joke," which is um, life lessons you can you can learn through classic jokes. And we did a book called Zen Science, which is sort of like Uncle John's kind of trivia uh, about science, just ways to meditate on. Not, you don't have to just things to think about in science that that are, are very obvious but pretty pretty deep when you think about them and uh, make you go but hmm currently that's exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but currently I'm only working on bathroom readers okay I, for some reason I thought you had started uh, um, another uh, another series no no sir no, I remember. I remember talking to you about one of the other books and and getting the impression that it was the launch of another series. So I stand, uh, I stand corrected. Um, so, uh, Gordon, um, obviously the next thing. How how deep are you into the next book when one of these comes out? Uh, I'm about halfway through the next bathroom reader, um, and. Maybe a little more than <laughs> halfway, um, because as soon as we're finished with one, we really have to start on another one. They they really do take most of a year to compile, um, and um, 
you know, but after that, after you put it together, then comes the fact checking process, and uh, um, not to mention all the editing. But <clears throat> fact checking is pretty important, and um, you know, as soon as I'm done with one, I pretty much have to start on another. The publisher likes to wait until the thing is actually in the in the store before we start. But this year, we started much earlier. Thank goodness. Well, I. I um I, I got to tell you, I've I've been enjoying these for years, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Gordon. Um, and I, I wish you much, much success with this book and the next one and the one after that, and uh, a happy holiday season. Well, thank you. And I'll tell you two things. I'll tell you two things real quick. One is that we have a page called Misconceptions, and one of them I just flipped through it and I saw that that. Um, one is very appropriate to the holidays, and that is the origin of Black Friday. Now, I have always thought, and maybe you have as well, that it was called Black Friday because of the high volume of Christmas shopping, which is, you know, makes a lot of retailers profitable for the first time of the year and puts them literally into the black. Yeah, that's what but I've that's always not thought. Where it comes from. Yeah, it actually comes. Well, uh, the truth is that that Philadelphia police in the 1950s, Philadelphia police started calling it Black Friday because that's when the annual Army Navy game was played in Philadelphia, and they the cops had to work overtime to control the crowds, not only of the crazy uh, college football fans, but all of the suburban shoppers who came into the city to. Uh, to spend the holidays, and they gave it the name Black Friday, and it sort of stuck. Huh. That's, well, see, that's one of those things that uh-huh. makes you see, go, you just hmm. did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, John, it's, it's or John, I, I always want to call you Uncle John, but uh, Gordon Javna is my guest. He is the editor-in-chief of the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader Series uh, of books that come out every year. Um, Gordon, is there... There's a a web presence now for the bathroom uh, readers. Yes, we have um, portablepress.com. That's the publisher's website. That's how you can find out about the books, where to find the book. And there is a a blog at uh, bathroomreader.com. It's kind of fun, too. Well, thanks, Gordon. It's been great to talk to you again. Thank you, Tom. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. And I'll just tell you one last thing. I, we, have, we love puns. So here's one from our Groners page. Who invented fractions? Uh, Henry yep. VIII. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Take care, Gordon. Thanks, Paul. All right. Bye-bye. Tom. Sorry. Hey, hey, we're even. That was uh, Gordon Javna, the um, often thought of as Uncle John, the editor-in-chief of the Uncle John's Bathroom Readers Series. Uh, they come out uh, every year. The new one is out. It's called The Greatest No on Earth. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> this is the unknown comic. 
And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us, at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. 
alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. She wheels her wheelbarrow through streets that are narrow. Her barrow is narrow, her hips are too wide. So wherever she wheels it, the neighborhood feels it. Her girdle keeps scraping the homes on each side. In Dublin's fair city, where girls are so pretty, my Molly stands out cause she weighs 18 stone. It's 256 pounds. I don't mind her fat, but It's not only that, but she's cockeyed and muscle-bound, Molly Mallow. I know a man, his name is Lang, and he has a neon sign. And Mr. Lang is very old, so they call it Old Lang Sign. <laughs> oh, what have you done, Billy Sal, Billy Sal? Oh, what have you done, charming Billy? You took almost every cent from the U.S. government, which you spent on fertilizer, which is silly. All day, all night, Cary Grant. That's all I hear from my wife is Cary Grant. What can he do that I can't? Big deal, big star, Cary Grant. Oh, the moon is bright tonight upon the car wash. So I'm having my Volkswagen washed again But the way things go with me, the way my luck runs Just as soon as they're finished, it will rain <laughs> On top of old Smokey, all covered with hair Of course I'm referring to Smokey the Bear Here's a famous old folk song that you all know entitled, Aura Lee. 
Every time you take vaccine, take it orally. As you know, the other way is more painfully. My grandfather's clock was the best ever made by the Timex Company. Just like the clock John Cameron Swayze displayed last night on the old TV. Oh, it works underwater so perfectly, and it still makes a ticking sound. Which my grandfather tried only this afternoon, and that's how the old man drowned. Do not make a stingy sandwich pile the cold cuts high. Customers should see salami coming through the ride. Oh, I diet all day and I diet all night. It's enough to drive me bats. Got no gravy or potatoes, cause the whole refrigerator's full of polyunsaturated fats. Fairly well, Metrical, and the others of that ilk. Let the diet start tomorrow, cause today I'll drown my sorrow in a double malted milk. Oh, when you go to the delicatessen store, don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. I repeat what I just said before. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. Oh, buy the corned beef if you must. The pickled herring, you can trust. And the locks puts you in orbit, A-OK. -okay. But that big hunk of liverwurst has been there since October 1st. And today is the 23rd of May. So when you go to the delicatessen store, don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. It'll make your insides awful sore. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. To trust the CDC and listen well Unless you want to bid our free society farewell There is a Super bad transmittable contagious awful virus And if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July A super bad transmittable contagious awful virus And if you got a better cough in your arm And if you got a better... <coughs> Now back in 1918 influenza had its run But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say If you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away Super damn 
important that we practice isolation Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July A super bad, transmittable Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We had some uh, interesting conversations. We had, uh, of course, always fun to talk to Gordon Javna from Uncle John's Bathroom Readers. The new one, Uncle John's Greatest No on Earth Bathroom Reader, is out now. And uh, before that, we talked with uh, uh, aerospace professional Kelly Girardi about her book, Not Necessarily Rocket Science. And... um, and before that, very, uh, very fun conversation with a first-time author. We actually had a couple of first-time authors on today, uh, Kelly Girardi, and then uh, during the first hour of our three-hour tour, we talked with Thomas Conway, um, who um, his, uh, his book is uh, called, let me find the title here so I get it. Oh, it's The Naughty List. That should be easy to remember. Um Anyway, it's uh, Santa's Been Kidnapped and Christmas Hangs in the Balance. Pop culture and holiday traditions clash in this family-friendly holiday tale. Anyway, thanks to all of my guests from the, uh, from the show today. I hope you'll join us tomorrow for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I'll be at Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the uh, living room. But... Um, I will be back tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And don't forget, we got uh, a couple of special holiday shows coming up. Thanksgiving, which is uh, mostly music. We kick off the holiday season with Christmas music. And our Christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local. And then it's all radio theater on Friday. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.